Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, I'm excited for this new series on prayer. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks talking about prayer, and it's a, it's a great topic. But before we talk about it, I think we should do it. How about that? <laughs> Let's take a moment here and pray together. Lord, thank you just for being here with us. Lord, it's such an honor to gather together and that you would actually be here with us. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for just being in this place today, speaking to us. God, I would just pray today that as we hear your word, Lord God, that it wouldn't be my words that you would speak to hearts and minds in this place, Lord God. And that as we hear, Lord God, that your word would go deep down inside of us, that it would take root and it would produce fruit because we are good ground. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Well, I want to give you a good report about Easter last week. How many of y'all had a good time last week on Easter celebrating Resurrection Day? It was awesome, and uh, it was actually our second biggest day ever as a church, and I think that's a reason to celebrate what God is doing. Come on, we can make some noise about that. It's awesome. God is moving, and uh, man, we're so excited to see what He's doing and to be a part of it. But uh, as we start today talking about prayer, this whole idea, this series, I'm calling it prayer, pray first, pray first. And so I want to actually do a little bit of teaching today. I'll probably get some preaching in there, but I want to do some actual more teaching on what this is because, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but so many times, like, I have good intentions for prayer, but sometimes, like, I'm like, ah, this is kind of, I'm not super good at it, or I'm not sure if I'm doing this right, or, you know, but prayer is so vital for us because it's really communication with the Lord. It's how we talk to God, right? Same way I would talk to my wife, Heather, have that relationship. I have to talk to God so I have a relationship with Him. Right? And that's really what prayer is. Too many times we want to like formalize it or, you know, over-sensationalize it and pray in the King James, dearest Heavenly Father, you know, like we try to do a lot of things to prayer, but in reality, like it's really just talking to God. So I want to talk about this a little bit and just kind of explore over the next couple of weeks the different types of prayers. So there's a lot of different ways to pray, and it's, today we're going to talk about one of those ways, and it's by no means the only way to pray, but it's a great place for us to begin in this process. And really for us as a church, you know, this whole idea of praying first, that's really how the church came to be. Um, I remember our founding pastors, Caleb and Sarah, they, when they came to me and my wife Heather and they asked us, you know, would you move to Orlando with us? Um, and help us start a church, and it wasn't on our radar, like, we weren't thinking, like, we're going to move to it, like, man, this was a step of faith for us, and so we began to gather, us and one or two other families that had made that decision, we began to just gather together and do that, just pray, we didn't know what else to do, we didn't know how to start a church, we didn't know where we were going to meet, we didn't know any of you guys, right, and now we're family, look at us, look, come on, look what God did, isn't that awesome? We didn't have the chairs that we're sitting in. We didn't have the resources. We had nothing, y'all, except this idea that God had called us to start a church. And so we just begin to gather together and pray and just ask God, what would this church look like? What would it be like? God, what would... And I remember one of the times God began to speak to us and give us words of what this church would be. Man, it's so exciting to see so many of those come to be a place that's home, a place where people who are hurting are welcome, a place where people can figure things out, a place where it's fun to be. Come on. Church is supposed to be enjoyed and not endured, right? 
It's like, this thing's over yet? Like, I've been in a lot of churches like, when will this be over? <laughs> y'all are laughing because y'all have been there too. We must have been at the same church. <laughs> but man, church, God is a God of joy. And so I just believe that, man, church should be the same way. So anyway, that's the same reason we have in this church now why we start the year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because whatever we do, we can do a lot of things, a lot of good things. But whatever we do, most important thing we need to do is pray first. Right. Pray first. It really is. It really has got to become like this life mission for us. And whatever I do, I need to pray first. Like when I wake up in the morning, what would your life be like if you just started the day? And the first things you said were, good morning, Father. I'm just so excited to spend some time with you today. Good morning, Father. Thank you for giving me life today. Because y'all scripture says today is promised to us. Not not tomorrow. Thank you, Lord, for giving me life today. Right, what would your day look like if, you know, when you get to work and your secretary maybe comes in and says, hey, your 130's here. Do you want me to show him in? No, 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 no. Hold up. Hold up. Lord, thank you for giving me wisdom today. Thank you for giving me favor. Help me to say the right things and help me make a lot of money. All right, go ahead and show him in. Yeah, yeah. What would your day be like if you just prayed first? Like before your kids run out the door to school, what if you just said, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Lord, I thank you for my children that they are a blessing. Thank you for giving them the mind of Christ at school today and keeping them safe. All right, go get the bus. Go, go. Like what if we just begin to pray first? What, what, what would our lives look like if just in everything that we did, we begin to pray first? So I have this scripture verse as our kind of our motto for this series, kind of our, our baseline. It says this from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse 16, it says, rejoice always and pray continually. Man, if you ever need to just memorize some scripture, start with the short ones. <laughs> You'll be like, I memorized two scriptures at church, y'all. That's two scriptures, 16 and 17. Rejoice always, pray continually. You didn't know you were going to memorize scripture at church today. What's up? Pray always, pray continually. Does that mean I'm going to like just constantly be on my knees and praying continually and I can never do anything else? No, that's not what it is. It just means I'm going to invite God into every aspect of my life. That's what we're doing. Just God, just invade this part of my life. God, help me at my work. Just everywhere I go, I'm going to invite God to be part of my life. I'm going to continue to do things. I'm going to go to the beach still. I'm going to go to Disney. I'm going to invite Jesus to Disney. I'm going to invite Jesus to my work. I'm going to just invite him to everything. I'm going to rejoice always, pray continually. I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So many times people are like, what's God's will for my life? Listen, y'all, it's to rejoice always. It's to pray continually and to give thanks in everything because this is God's will for us. Christ Jesus is like, I just can't hear God speaking to me. The Bible is God speaking to us, y'all. It's there. It's there. Why is this so important? Why is praying first so important? Here's what I know. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. That is good. I'll let you open up Instagram while I come over here. (laughs) Prayer should be our first resort, not uh, our first response, not our last resort. Too many times in my life, I had the attitude of like, well, I tried everything else. I guess I better pray. Better throw something up there to the big guy, see if he's got something to help me out. I guess I, I guess we better... Man, too many times that's our response when, in fact, before we act, before we do anything else, we need to pray. We need to ask God. He's got the wisdom. He's got the knowledge. He has all the answers. 
Why would I try to go to the world? Why would I try to figure it out on my own? Instead, I could just go to him, take care of it before I do anything else. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. We need to act, but we need to pray first. So many times I hear people who are like, I'm just going to sit over here and wait on the Lord. And they're just waiting, 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 waiting. And they end up just waiting there. Like, that's not what God said. That's not what he's called us to be. He's called us to be people that are going places, to be moving. Even spiritually, yeah, we should seek him. We should wait in his presence. But then we should get up and go out into the world and make a difference. We don't have his spirit and his power just to say we're the most holy person or we got our life together. We have his spirit and his power and his abilities in us so that we can impart that into somebody else. We can make a difference in this world and change things that are going on. We're going to pray first. We're going to pray first. Why is that so important? Because, y'all, our world is messed up. Just look around you. Not, not here. Like <laughs> Some of you are like, mm-hmm, you messed up. Like, that is not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just turn on the news. Get on Facebook. Drive down the street. Man, go to Waterford Lakes. Man, our world is hurting and broken. You hear about all the hatred in the world. There's shootings, everything going on. We know all the terrible things that are going on. But, y'all, we have a role to play in this. And it's not to sit on the side. It's not just to, you know, thank you. No, we have a role to play in this. We're called to be the light. We've got to start in this place where we're willing to pray, where we're willing to seek God and let him direct our steps and begin to bring some change and some solutions to this world that's crying out for it. It's a good place to say amen. So what what does scripture say about this process? It's like, can't God just come in and why, why are things so terrible? Let me just show you what the scripture says about this process and our role in it. The Lord is speaking here in Second Chronicles chapter 7. He says, when I shut up the heavens and there's no rain. This is the Lord speaking. There's a drought. We see drought in the natural, but man, don't we see moral drought in our country? In the world, spiritual drought going on. He says, or when I command locusts to devour the land or send plagues among my people. Sickness running rampant. Disease everywhere. Here's what you should do. And as we read this next part, you can kind of hear a little bit. I hear a little bit of frustration as the Lord is speaking. He says, if my people, like saying, if, if they would, they might not. But if, if my people and they're called by my name, if they would just humble themselves, if they would pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, here's what will happen. Then I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. That's what, that's what we need. This is our role in it, to humble ourselves before him, to seek his face, to pray. Man, that's what the world needs. We don't need people just, the world doesn't need the church getting up there and spouting off our opinions on political things or what's going on. That's not what the world is needing. That's not going to turn anybody to Jesus. That's not going to bring hope to anybody. We need to act first. 1 Timothy chapter 2 even talks about this kind of whole thing, you know, like, well, what does the Bible say I should do when people are, like, he says this, he says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, haters included. (laughs) Ask God to help them. Lord, you want me to pray for my haters? Yes. All people, ask God to help them. In fact, I want you to intercede in their behalf. Intercede is like praying for vigorously, right? 
intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. That's a heart check right there. Pray this way for kings and those who are in authority over you. He's not saying pray for them if you agree with them. I I don't have to agree with everyone's opinions or policies to pray for them. That's not what he says. He just says pray for the kings and authority so that we can live a peaceful and quietful lives marked by godliness and dignity. Y'all, this is our role in our society is not to be standing up there yelling at people, but to be praying for people, leading people into God's presence. We've got to pray first. This is our duty as believers. Some of us are thinking right now, okay, pastor, I'm ready. I like this. Let's do this. Let's go. Let's pray. But I don't know about you. When I was kind of, uh, I was in college and I was really struggling with prayer. I didn't really like it, right? I didn't see value in it. And it was just like this struggle in my life. And it was just kind of this like spiritual thing I was, knew I was supposed to do. My pastors had taught me, you know, like you need to pray. But I just, ah, uh, you know what I mean? Anybody? I'll, I'll, just, I'll just take the fall for this one. All of you guys are just so, you're expert prayers in this place. I like it. But I just, I just was there. That's where I was. And, and I just I, I struggled with that. And I remember, like, maybe you've been in one of these prayer circles before. Anybody else been in a group where, like, let's go around the circle and everyone can pray? <laughs> I love those now because, you know, I'm in a better place now. But, man, I, uh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. You're in these circles and everyone's praying. Like, all the super spiritual people are praying in the King James and they're saying all these big spiritual words. And I'm, I'm not even praying while they're praying. I'm just trying to like think of every spiritual thing I know to say. Right? All the scriptures that I've memorized. How can I pray John 3.16 today? You know, like I'm just trying to think of all those things, right? And then it never fails. That person sitting right here next to you, they start praying. And it's everything I was going to say. <laughs> right? And I'm like... I can't even pray now because then I'm copying. They stole my prayers. So, you know, we're like standing there praying and it's like, they squeeze my hand. Now it's my turn. And I'm just passing that thing along. Like squeeze, squeeze. Now it's your turn. Like I got nothing. You know, like it's just where I was. It's just where it was. Maybe a few of you were in that circle. You stole my prayer. <laughs> prayer just wasn't exciting it wasn't attractive to me i didn't really see it i just had all kinds of excuses to pray like i need to sleep in so i can make it to class on time right and honestly a lot of our spiritual lives look that way full of excuses on why we can't do things and i'm just here to challenge you today if i could challenge you a little bit in in prayer and what that would look like I love this picture from Luke chapter 11. Jesus is with his disciples and he says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. I'm going to talk about that in another week, praying at a certain place. Because when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, picture this. Jesus is praying, but somehow his disciples must have seen him praying, right? Because they're asking him about it. Right? They're saying, teach us to pray. Now, what you have to understand is they're not actually saying, Lord, teach me how to pray. Because they were Jewish. So they grew up from little boys. They knew how to pray. That's how they spend their lives learning how to pray. Like they know the King James and they know all the formulas. They know how to like do the ritual of praying. They knew what that was like. That's not, they're not asking Jesus that. But they're like watching him. They're like, Jesus, what are you doing over there? It looks a little different than how I was taught. Looks like you're enjoying it. Like it's this meaningful experience for you. Teach me that. Yeah. Teach me that. 
I know all this other stuff, and I just I can't deal with that. Like, but teach me that. What, what you're doing is that. And the very next thing Jesus did was he said, okay. And then he says, pray this way. And he goes through the, the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. This account is actually in two places, in Luke 11 and Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is actually the most famous version of the Lord's Prayer. And it says this, starting in verse 9. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Man, it's a beautiful passage of scripture. And it's good to pray that. um, But I think that Jesus didn't really intend for us to like pray those actual words every day. He never said, pray these words. He said, pray like this. Pray in this manner. Pray, pray this way, but like, I'm just showing you an outline, if you will. Like, it's not like you've got to make it this legalistic thing. Like, he's like, pray in this way. And so I just want to challenge you. Like, what would it look like if you just took the first 15 minutes of your day? It doesn't have to be three hours. Just take the first 15 minutes of your day and just pray. When you wake up, you know, just wake up and just, just say, God, I, I'm so excited to spend some time with you. And just 15 minutes a day. What you're going to notice in your life as you would make this commitment is to just, things are just going to begin to change. And it's going to become the thing that was a burden to you before, this thing you didn't understand. It's going to become the most, one of the most vibrant, one of the most powerful things that you do in your life. And you'll be like, I can't do without it. I can do it without a lot of things, but I can't do without this 15 minutes. Like, make it at the first 15 minutes of your day. And I, I challenge you in it. So I want to teach us through this prayer today and what, what Jesus was showing us in this prayer and how we are praying. So if you have somewhere to take notes today, I want you to take notes, write some of these things down so that tomorrow morning when you wake up and it's early and you're like, what's my name again? Like that you have something to fall back on, right? <laughs> the first phrase that Jesus prayed is, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven, right? And as if Jesus was saying, hold up. You're missing this first part, guys. You, you need this first part before anything else. It's number one, connect with God relationally. Connect with Him relationally. Before you do anything else in prayer, just connect to Him relationally. Don't come to Him with the King James and the formality. Like, those are, that's fine and go. But before anything else, before you bring your list of things that you want to dump on Him, God doesn't like to be dumped on any more than you do. Like, just come to Him, connect to Him relationally. Right? One-on-one. I think about my own life with my daughter. Some of you with children can relate. Like, I'll be in my office working sometimes, and Bella will come up. She'll be like, hey, Dad, can I get a snack? Can I watch something on Netflix? Can I do this? Like, there's informational exchanges. It's just purely informational, right? But there's other times where she'll come in. I'll be working, and she'll just come in, and she'll kind of just kind of stand there. And she does this thing. I don't know where she gets it from, but she'll, like, slowly, like, start to, like, Put her head on my shoulder and then just like slowly like put her arm up there and be like, yes, how can I help you? <laughs> Nothing. I just, I just want to see what you were doing. And she'll just stay there. Okay. What do you want? <laughs> Nothing. I just, I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be in here with you. Do, do you want a pony or can I take you to Disney? Like what? you can have anything you want right now. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. There's that moment when your kids, when they're little, they just get right up in your lap and they just want to snuggle with you, you know, and you're just like, 
Our Heavenly Father desires that from us. See, it's too much. We're trying to come to Him in this big formality and, and make it this thing, but and we just need to connect with Him relationally. Scripture tells us we are His children and He is our Father. He wants to connect with us this way. It says in Romans 8, verse 15, it says, You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. So if you're serving God out of fear or out of this kind of mentality where like, I'm a slave, I've got to do whatever He says, that's not how God intends for your relationship with him to be. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. You are a child of God. You are his children. And now we call him Abba Father. He sees you as a child. He wants to connect with you relationally, not just informationally like, God, I'm going here. Will you please help me? Like, he wants to connect with you relationally. We get close to him. Second thing that Jesus said was, hallowed be your name. It's kind of a fancy word. We're getting fancy in church this morning. Hallowed, right? Fancy. You try to squeeze that into a conversation today. I dare you. Hallowed. What he's saying here is he's like, just spend some time worshiping the name of God. Just spend some time like exalting his name. Hallowed be your name. So that's number two is we're going to worship his name. Going to worship his name. And it's an easy thing to turn into a spiritual phrase, right? We just worship your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord worship you like but it's so much more it's good to say it but we need to actually begin to worship his name so what is that what does that process look like because there's there's power associated to the name right like some of you have more than one kid and like if you imagine like your kids like you tell the one kid hey go tell everybody else to clean up their rooms well if he was to go back there and tell them all like i'm not doing that you're gonna tell me to clean my room who are you because like, they're all the same. We're all the kids. But if you say, tell them dad said to clean up their room. Now you've got something happening, right? Because there's authority with the name. There's power with the name. We need to get in this mode of we come into him and worship his name. There's authority there. In Proverbs 18, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. One translation says, the name of God is a place of protection. Man, so when you feel attacked, the name of God is a place of protection. The godly run to him and are safe. Come on. So what are some of the Lord's names? I'm glad you asked. I hope you're ready to write and type. Some of the names of the Lord's is, his name is righteous. Right? His name is sanctifier. God, I couldn't do this on my own, but you came. You died for me. You took my place. You shed your blood for me. Not anything I did. You sanctified me, God. You are a sanctifier. One of his names is provider. Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees ahead before you even have the need, before you even know there is the need, he's already provided for. His name is Provider. One of his names is the Banner of Victory. So I don't know what you're facing that's trying to overcome you and defeat you, but he is victory in your life. He has given you more than a conqueror. That's who he's made you to be, his Banner of Victory. One of his names is Peace. Thank you, God. You are the God of peace in the midst of chaos. In the midst of troubles, you are my peace. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be afraid. You are the God of peace. He's one of his names is shepherd. He is a God who's a shepherd. Thank you, God. You're going to lead me today. In John 10, it says, God, that you will lead me and I will know your voice and I won't follow the voice of the enemy. Thank you, God, for being my shepherd. One of my favorite names of God is God with us. He's there. His name is there. Come on, let that sink in. Wherever you go, he's there. You go to the beach. He's there. Yep, wherever you go, he's there. Psalms 139 says that. It says, it says God, if I were to be in the highest of heavens, you are there. If I were to make my, my dwelling, my, my, my place in the lowest place of the earth, you are 
He's there everywhere you go. Man, I love that about his name. We need to worship his name. Then Jesus goes on to this next part. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, God really likes it when you pray this. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there's two words that are, there's a word that's repeated in there, and that word is your. It's not your, it's your. Like before you get to yours, you need to get to yours. See, we got to get the right your in the right order. See, every relationship that matters to us the most, we focus on first. That's good right there. Come on now. Some of us are just, we have too much relationship with Netflix instead of those in our lives. Come on. So we're going to spend number three. We're going to pray God's agenda. We're going to pray God's agenda. Let me say it like this. God has a prayer list. Yeah, God has a prayer list. We need to pray it. We need to pray for that prayer list. And you're like, okay, cool. What is God's prayer list? Well, let me tell you. It's summed up in one word. You ready for it? That word is others. That's God's prayer list, right? Scripture says, for God so loved just me that he's... No, that ain't right. They don't let me get away with nothing right there on the front row. I like it. For God so loved the world. He loved people. That is God's heartbeat, his people out there. When we begin to pray God's prayer list, when we begin to pray for the Palestinians, when we begin to pray for the Jewish people, when we begin to pray for the Russians, when we begin to pray for the haters, when we begin to pray for the the drug addicted, the prostitutes, when we begin to pray for the homeless, when we begin to pray for other people, man, God begins, all of heaven begins to take notice. He's like, hold up, hold up, hold up, because you got all these things going on in your life and you're going to pray that? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay, I, I see you. I see. See, when we begin to pray God's, God's things, man, things begin to line up. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. You'll, everything else will be taken care of. Seek him first. Luke 12, 31 says, he will always give you everything you need from day to day. We can stop right there and we'll be celebrating in this place. But it goes on. He says, if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Man, I'm going to focus on your kingdom today, God. God, I pray for those people. We begin to pray for others. Now we get to the next part. Then it shifts to our needs, right? Give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean? Sometimes I think we, we, uh, you know, we have our, our list of stuff that's going on and we can bring that to him. This is that place where we bring to him all the things going on in our lives. God, I have all these issues. And sometimes I think we get mixed up in a little bit. We're like, I'm good. I don't need nothing. I got this. I got this, right? But, see, that's, that's really just kind of pride, I think, when we take this point, like, God, I don't need anything. I've got everything. I need. Like, everything's good. Maybe help that other person. But, see, y'all, that's, that's not what we're called to be. Sometimes we're like, well, it's just greedy to pray for more. I have everything. No, y'all, we are blessed to be a blessing. See, the reason I say it's pride is because I can just be good with everything I got and not be worried about anybody else. But when the opportunity comes for me to be a blessing to somebody else, if I've only got what I need, how can I help somebody else? So I'm going to pray for what I don't have. I'm going to pray for something before I need it because someday I'm going to give somebody a car. In fact, you know, I'm going to be able to give somebody, help somebody for something. You're going to, somebody's going to come across their, your path and you're going to need to bless them. God's going to say, hey, I want you to do something extravagant in their life. And you're going to be like, but, but. 
I'm going I'm to pray for those things. That I'm going to pray for more than I need so that when I have the opportunity, because if God can get it through me, he will get it to me. I'm not a reservoir. I'm going to be a river. Things are going to flow through my life. Everything I need is going to be taken care of. I already know that. But everything else that comes to me is so that I can impact the life of somebody else, y'all. That's a good place to say amen. In other words, I'm going to depend on God for everything. Number four, I'm going to depend on him for everything. When I'm like, God, I got this. I don't need nothing. Help all those starving boys and girls. Like, we're going to pray for that, too. We already prayed for that. Now, like, I'm just saying, God, I don't need you. I got this. No, I'm going to depend on him for everything. For my next breath, for my next meal, whatever it is, I'm going to depend on him for everything. In Psalms 121, he says, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Sometimes I think we're like, oh, the author's talking about heaven. I look up to the heavens. Where does my help come from? What you have to understand, in this day and time when this was written, the, the government, the ruling body would be typically up on a hill, up on the side of a mountain. So we say, do I look up to the systems of this world? Do I look up to government? Do I look up to these other things? Is that where my help comes from? The answer is no. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I look past all the systems of this world because, God, you sustain me. You give me everything I need. I depend on you, Lord, for everything. Then Jesus moves to this next part. He's like, hold up. Can't miss this part. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, I need you to forgive me and help me, Lord, to actively forgive others. Right? There's two parts to this And I would sum it up as this. Number five, get your heart right with God and with people. Get your heart right with God and with people. What do we mean, get your heart right? Like, just just tell him, like, Lord, search my heart. Search me, God. Is there something inside of me that offends you? Is there something inside of me that's that's detestable to you? Because I want to repent of that right now. I I, I don't want that in my life. Like, see, we got to get ourselves to this place where we're willing to pray that prayer. And I'll tell you this, though. When you pray that prayer, he's going to tell you. He's going to start pointing out things in your life, and sometimes it's going to be painful. Sometimes you're like, you didn't even know it was something that offended him. But just humbling ourselves before him, God, what in me needs to be gone? And then just begin to get those things out of your life. Begin to work those things out of our lives, whatever it is. And then the other part of this process, getting our heart right with people. Woo! Come on now. I'll tell you what I do that helps me is just every day I just, I just preemptively forgive. Because <laughs> there, there's just opportunities everywhere. Opportunities are going to come, y'all. They're, they're just going to come. And so just before it even comes, I'm just going to, Lord, I choose to forgive today. I choose to forgive. I haven't even driven on the 408 yet, but I know somebody's going to make me mad. I'll just forgive them right now, God, before I even get there. I'm just going to forgive. I choose to forgive. And forgiveness is a choice, y'all. If there's not a magic pill to take for it, you just have to choose it. You have to decide, I'm going to choose to forgive. Man, and what would your life look like? Your life would be so different if you just lived this way. Just in this place of choose to forgive. People at work would be starting to be like, what's wrong with him? He's just different. Something's changed. You'd be like, that's right. You hadn't even made me mad yet, but I forgive you already. <laughs> Your kids are going to start to notice. Be like, what's up with dad? Be like, I don't know, but he was writing down something while pastor was talking. And now he just said to me, he's like, I just, I forgive you for what you haven't even done yet. Something is up with dad. Like people are going to notice. Like when we begin to live this way, it's going to change, change us. It's going to begin to change who we are taking these 15 minutes first john chapter 1 verse 9 says if we confess our sins 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Man, what if we just did that every day? Just we're in this place every day, getting our hearts right with God and getting our heart right with people. Then Jesus moves into this next one. It's kind of a fun one if you see it this way. He says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I don't, that's not actually like what the translation is. Like when you translate this phrase, like don't lead us into temptation, like we can get the wrong idea that God would actually lead us into temptation. We're asking him not to. But that's actually not when you translate this phrase in the Greek. He's actually saying, God, help me not to go into temptation because opportunities are going to come at me, God. Help me, God, today to make the right choice not to go in that. That's what he's saying. In James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, When we're tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God is not tempting us into evil. But there is going to be evil that comes. There's going to be opportunities that come our way. And, man, in my life so long, I struggled with this whole thing of, like, you know, when opportunities for sin come my way, I was just so, like, I was condemned by it. Like, the, I just let the devil lie to me. And, like, if the opportunity comes or the thought comes, like, I'm just such a terrible person I just because of the opportunity. But can I just tell you, opportunities are going to come at you all day long. That's not the problem. The problem is our response to it. Are we going to go along with it or are we going to go the other way and allow God to lead us out of that deal? Right? Opportunities are going to come because we're in a spiritual battle. Like it or not, believe it or not, we live in the seen realm, but there is the unseen realm all around us that's just as real as the seen realm. And we are living in that realm. And there is a very real spiritual battle that we are a part of going along every day. It's the forces of light against the forces of darkness. And we are a part of this. And like it or not, you have an enemy that hates you. He hates your guts. People used to say that on the playground when I was there. Like, I hate your guts, right? But man, the devil, he hates your guts, y'all. And some of you, he's working harder than you are to stop him. Number six, we need to engage in spiritual warfare every day. It's not this sci-fi thing where like, like, it's not spiritual warfare. That's something the devil has twisted and tried to confuse people with. Something that God gave us to live out our God-given authority and rulership in this world. And the devil tries to come and make it spooky and all these things that it's not. We just need to understand, like, if we're not fighting the devil every day, he's working harder than us, y'all. We need to fight against him. We need to fight for our families. Nehemiah 4 says, hey, fight for your families. Man, we need, some of us need to get up and fight for our families and stop bemoaning the fact that things don't seem, well, I just don't know how to, man, get up, get on your knees and fight for your families. Fight for your marriage, fight for your kids. Man, begin to fight against the enemy. And the good news is that we're not alone in this fight. God has given us his spiritual armor. We have the armor of God against us, uh, with us, not against us. Let me show you this in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Y'all, we are in a fight. This is the Bible, y'all. It's in a movie. This isn't, this isn't some spooky thing. You know, that's the other thing. The enemy tries to take the supernatural and he wants to make it like this evil, like slow, you know, on the sci-fi channel. Like, that's not what it is, y'all. God created the supernatural. Because in our own, we can't do it. But when his supernatural comes on us, that's what the supernatural, it enables us to do the things that scripture says that we do. You realize that Jesus said, you will do greater things in this world than I have done, right? 
I can't raise nobody from the dead, y'all. I can't make mud and make somebody see that's been blind their whole life. Through the supernatural power of God inside of us, we can. Absolutely, we can. And absolutely, we're called to. We're called to set the captives free. We've got to begin to fight. We go on to verse uh, further down in, the, in, the, in verse 13. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you do everything else, stand like you're going to have to stand against this. You are going to have to hold your ground because we have an enemy that hates our guts. Then Jesus ends where he, he began. He says, for yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power and the glory forever. He goes right back to this place of God, giving God the adoration, just de- declaring his dependence. Just in, I say it this way, number seven, expressing faith in God's ability. It's just expressing faith in God's ability. God, none of this is because I'm an expert prayer. None of this is because I'm anything. It's because of your spirit, God. You get the glory. The power is yours, God. Everything is yours. What if we just prayed this way every way in just one sentence, God, Yours is the glory. In Jeremiah 32, he says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. I love this phrase. Nothing is too hard for you. Isn't that good to know? Like whenever you pray and you're giving him your list and you're praying for all these things, like nothing scared him about what you said. He wasn't worried about it. Oh, I don't know what we're going to do about this one. We'll put this like. Nothing, nothing you said surprised him or scared him or threatened him. Like, God is greater. God is greater. He has the power. He deserves the glory. This is just who he is. What an amazing way to pray in this way of just saying, God, everything is yours. In fact, one day when we leave this earth and we're in heaven together with him, this is what we're going to be doing. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 13, it says, I heard every creature in heaven and every creature on earth and under the earth and on the sea, and this is what they were saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Y'all, this is what our cry should be. This is what our heart cry should be as we pray just to glorify him, to say, God, you are the one. You are the one that makes all things possible. God, you are the one, God. All the glory is yours. Everything happens because of you. Man, just an amazing way to pray in this way. Why don't we do that in this moment? Let's just, right where we are, let's just begin to pray. Lord, I thank you for this day, God, that we can be together. God, I thank you for your spirit, God. 